This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Today, we are joined by the director of B2E Technologies, Mr. Michael Luizidis, to tell us more. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the COVID report. Could you please start by telling us a little bit more about B2E Technologies and what it is exactly that you do? Thanks for inviting me on. Much appreciate it. Um, essentially, B2E Technologies is an IT uh, company. Um, we involve very much in IT networking and uh, in the past sort of... Um, Five years, we've expanded into the ISP and telecom space, but essentially uh, we manage large networks countrywide, um, close to 100 schools countrywide, and um, and sort of expanded into a brand of uh, fiber connectivity and uh, telecoms connectivity over the past few years as well. Very fascinating stuff. Now, I feel like I am well positioned to perhaps comment on this, especially from a customer standpoint. But we've seen more people having to depend on working from home and relying on video conferencing to hold meetings. I'm thinking of the num- the numerous instances I've seen people um, depend on Zoom, on uh Uh, or or other kinds of video conferencing uh, software programs to hold meetings. Would you say that this increased use of broadband brought about by the unprecedented nature of this pandemic, the lockdown restrictions that ensued, and the the, the essential or, or the necessity, should I say, to move to this model of getting the work done via the um, video conferencing meetings, working from home. Would you say that this increased use of broadband has strengthened some telecommunications companies or or is it the exact opposite in some cases? So um, definitely there's been uh, initially we we on our side, and I'm going to comment from from that where we've seen it directly, is as lockdown kicked in um, during the March period earlier this year, Um, From a home connectivity point of view, um, there was an immediate uh, surge in people looking to get connectivity from home in certain of those spectrums. So LTE, uh, fiber and wireless connectivity. There was an immediate surge prior to the or or, or as soon as the lockdown uh, timing was announced, there was that immediate surge. Um, and, and, and that, in essence, was to allow people to do exactly what you're saying, is to start doing um, that remote work on video conferencing. Now, on our networking side, there was an immediate boost in getting uh, students and parents, for example, connected on uh, platforms like you mentioned, Zoom. But the biggest one that we found um, on our side from a, a support perspective was Microsoft Teams, where we were suddenly working weekends um, additionally to try and get people um, and students online uh, immediately to start doing this video and audio conferencing that you just mentioned. So in sticking with the theme of how everyone has had to embrace uh, these new circumstances, whether by choice or by circumstance, how do you then guarantee reliability of your networks and how do you ensure positive customer experience even with high pressure on networks as it already is? So, so I think um, there, there's always been a readiness and I think um, South Africa as a, um, a, a, from a telecoms point of view, there, there is a very large readiness in the market to be able to absorb uh, what the market can throw at it. 
So, so from, from our point of view, we definitely did find that, um, uh, you know, our network is, you can think of as a big hotel, and it's just waiting for the rooms to be filled in many, in many scenarios. So we have this ability to, 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 we have this network that is there on the basis of maybe running a 10 or 15% capacity. And, and we found in our instance that obviously there was a big demand, but we were sitting in, in that sort of space of waiting for it to, to be filled. And in today's market, the way the ISPs are designed and the networks are designed, the ability to grow and cater for it was actually uh, not relatively simple, but easily to, to, in terms of timing, easy to easy to complete. And I think that that was well measured as well when a lot of the the fiber providers also doubled their bandwidth. You know, they allowed um, ISPs to and, and end users to see double the speed that they were essentially paying for. Um, you know, to, to, to be offered out there. And I think the ISPs were, were relatively good in absorbing that uh, network demand. And yeah, I think uh, there was definitely capacity to ensure the reliability. Now, in your expert opinion, do you think this is the right time to make investments in uh, networks and uh, possibly migrating to 5G? So, so 5G is... is um, a, a new platform obviously it's the the expansion to to the lte or 4g platform um and yes i think from a, a especially home scenario where, where the demand on video um and uh, streaming services and where people are going to be uh working from home now and uh, doing more uh, online um whether it be via as you say um audio and video streaming, it allows for the capacity of people to do this from home um, and uh, allows for people to do the additional benefits of that, which is which is video streaming as well at hopefully a more competitive price as more and more people take it up. Yeah, I think it's a good time. So then how do you leverage automation across every facet of your business? And, and I'm thinking in terms of customers, employees and network resiliency. So, so um, I, I think if 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 we're talking uh, automation and, and and things like that, I think effectively it's the systems that we we work on, and that the systems allow for the provisioning of these services to occur for our customers. Obviously, our employees are our customers as well because effectively they're doing a lot of what what you see out there in the market already, and we are, allow this automation and provisioning of all of our systems. To, to be centralized and to allow people to easily onboard um, onto the network um, and easily upgrade, downgrade, and do all these, these, these changes relatively simple um, at the end of the day. And, and that are, it's all around the centralization and automation of the provisioning of the, the services, allowing the customers to, 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 to easily be absorbed into the network without much complication. Very eye-opening stuff. I feel like I'm learning something literally with every answer from you. Thank you very much, sir. Now, I think we can both agree that at the very least, 2020 has not been a year to write home about. Before we even get to the COVID-19 pandemic, there there was the instance of that uh, very highly publicized data leak that um, compromised the personal and private information of millions of users. How do you think data privacy frameworks are changing and how can this 
affect company policies? And moreover, in keeping in line with uh, the theme of the pandemic, can you take me through the ways in which this pandemic has made this already difficult uh, measure to take and measure to maintain even more so difficult? So, so previously as a whole, and I think what this major data leak did was uh, enhance the awareness of what people have out there in terms of their data and the privacy of their data and how critical it is to keep uh, many of the aspects of data private. And, and I think with the explosion of, of what's happened in the past few months, especially online and with what's happening around the world, I think it's, it's become clear along policymakers themselves um, that they... Uh, also, as 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 these policymakers do create these guidelines that companies need to abide by and that companies need to follow, and obviously the companies need to take it upon themselves to do the same thing as well without having to have the government institutions walk in and say to them, you have to do this and you have to do that. I, I think it's key that companies ensure that they, 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 they take their data privacy to the next level, ensure the security of their, of their networks and their customer data, and ensure that this, this data is not um, leaked out onto the internet. And, and that's been quite well, um, you know, across some of the major uh, providers out there. And I can use an example of Apple themselves uh, along how they've um, used privacy and ensuring customer privacy to, to all of their devices and their users and things like that. And they've enhanced it more and more and every, every time they've released it. And it's also setting that guideline uh, for, for how important it is to keep your private data, your data private and not allow um, the, your providers that you use and ensuring that they do the same with your data that you, you give to them. Indeed. Now, can you please take me through the key areas of the telecoms industry that were most impacted by this pandemic? And also, could you take me through the ways with this unprecedented situation, and we crow about the unprecedented nature, nature of this situation a lot here on the show, but can you take me through the ways in which this situation that no one saw coming, no one expected, and everyone has had to rise to the challenge and adapt to, um, can you take me through the ways in which the telecoms industry and telecoms companies have risen to the challenge and adapted to the times? And in what ways has it shown tech uh, telecoms companies how to set themselves up in future in order to avoid or mitigate or be able to better mitigate the impacts of a disaster of this one, should it ever come again lord forbid no agreed uh, i think you know it's been it's been a, a hard on many people out there um and i don't want to say the the telecoms industry has has not been immune to it, but there have been aspects of the telecom industry that have actually benefited uh, significantly from it. So, so, I mean, the obvious example is now with people working from home, there was a massive uptake of um, home connectivity that was never quite considered before when our businesses were getting their staff to work from home and they were then financing portions of that in other words ensuring that their staff had connectivity from home so they were going to the telecoms providers out there and saying can you offer my staff connectivity as well as um, you know the, the education industry was which majorly impacted by this where 
schools were now had to, many of the schools out there were, who were capable had to do remote learning. And, and that introduced a, an additional boost to the telecom industry because they now had to cater for that connectivity as well. So it, it just sort of did explode in certain aspects. But then it did impact the telecom industry from a business point of view where a lot of businesses are now sitting with vacant offices in, in you know, in Santon and all these major areas where now, um, you know, those businesses don't require that, that connectivity that needed before and they've moved their services where now their staff are working from home. So it's a bit of a mix and match and, uh, and things like that. So I think there was a lot of um, impact to the industry and, and, and on the one side, I think it did relatively well. And I think on the other side, it's still taking a hit obviously today and, and, and going forward for a period of time until until things slowly in some way or another form that new normal, which, which we'll see exactly what that is. But yeah, there, there, there have been multiple impacts uh, in, in different ways, but I can't say that they were as hard hit maybe as, as, as an example, the, the, the hospitality industry. No, absolutely true. I would like to latch onto something that you just alluded to in your answer, uh, we, because I'm very curious as to the role that um, the telecoms industry played or could have played in the conversation around um, the migration to uh, e-learning, for, for example, and how um, migrations like that expose the inequalities on um, either side of the social divide. Can you take me through the ways in which the, the, teles- the telecoms industry maybe investigated ways to assist those who did not have the resources and the means to make a successful migration to um, e-learning? And could you take me through the ways in which the telecoms industry um, has tried to, at the very least, had a say, have a say in the conversation of getting everyone on a level playing field as far as access to the online digitized realm that we're all seemingly adapting to? So uh, I think the first part there around, I mean, especially the education sector and uh, B2E technology is very involved in education. I know we, we obviously... Um, did a lot of things on our own side with many of the schools that we partner with. I mean, a simple example is, I mean, a lot of even the more public sector schools that don't have the benefits of some of the private schools. Um, I mean, we installed wireless into wireless connectivity onto the sports fields where parents could drive onto the sports fields and and, and literally sit in their cars and have them have themselves and their kids connected and, and do learning literally from a sports field instead of obviously having to uh, enforcing social distancing and allowing education to occur and expanding connectivity in, in some way or another. And, you know, there are these ideas that were out there and a lot of these changes that were made, the, the, the excessive bandwidth, the doubling of bandwidth that we provided to all of our customers. You know, all of those sort of measures were taken in place, obviously, to, to existing customers. And then uh, I know across the board, the entire industry froze all prices, they froze all increases, they froze everything just to ensure that, you know, the affordability of people to get connected was there. As an industry as a whole, I mean, I'm only commenting from my side, but, you know, um, I think I think there was, uh, you know, a reduction in certain, and I don't know if the timing was just very good in a lot of the telecoms um, bundles that they offer the market, but uh, uh, from, from a fixed line connectivity point of view, um, I know still today we're reducing prices as often as we can and tweaking as much as we can to get people online. Um, at, at the higher demands that are out there in the market. So, so I do think there's a lot more that can be done. 
and, and I think time will tell as to what are the, the more major players are going to do. But I think from, from our point of view in the education sector, we, we always trying to come up with ideas to, to keep kids online. Um, you know, whether that be via, um, uh, you know, simple things as broadcasting wireless over an area, you know, and allowing people to be online. I mean, those are just some ideas that we've put out there. So, Michael, I'm listening to you talk through the various um, new things that I'm going, that, that's how I'm going to choose to describe them, the new things that you guys have tried as companies, as an industry, talking through the ways in which you guys have adapted and risen to the task, as we alluded to earlier. Has there been any other opportunities or similar opportunities that have arised during this period for telecom service providers? And I'm also curious as to whether or not you received any sort of feedback from other international players within the global telecoms industry or, or parts of the telecoms industry from other parts of the world and uh, other countries? Have they sort of shared um, trends as to what's going on on that side of the world with you? And have they sort of um, provided feedback or, con- or space for conversation around the things that we were trying here in South Africa? So, so I think... You know, uh, I think South Africa is obviously unique in its in its own own model. But um, I, I think the overall trend. I mean, the, 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 one of the easiest ways to market is to obviously see what the worldwide markets themselves have done. And obviously, the markets took a major in, impact in, in in March, and you know, the, the the stock markets dropped around the world. But you just had to watch that and see how how in, players effectively start to adapt during that time frame. And what you'll see is, is exactly what happened, is you'll see those IT telecoms companies were the ones who were standing up and obviously benefiting in certain aspects around it because they were now, you know, having a lot of people working from home and the Shopify's and the Amazon's and all of these um, home shopping uh, platforms suddenly arose. And, and you found that, um, you know, the, the 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 way people perceive uh, their day to day lives uh, changed, and a lot of it changed to tech, and and the way they started to work online and 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 live online essentially from from a day to day basis became more and more and more and more. So so I think you know what, what we found in, immediately on our side was international providers coming to us and saying, well, we're willing to offer you. You know, more connectivity at cheaper prices that you can then offer to your end users and things like that to bring them online and allow them to do these basic functions that now have to be done from home. So it's all a big, you know, mishmash all coming together and creating this picture of of, of what it all looks like. And, and I think, you know, the market would show you that companies like Amazon, Shopify, um, uh, or companies that shut up immediately because uh, all of this was allowed to happen and allowed them to to, to thrive in, in that sort of market where people now living from home. So I think there was a bit of a, a coming together in many aspects across the world, um, allowing people to be online and allowing to work from home and allowing them to social distance and all of these things. So I, th- I think it all sort of just, you know, everybody put up their hand a little bit and it all just came together. So I... So we seem to be on the precipice, or at least as close to this precipice as we ever have been at this stage of our lockdown here in South Africa. But we seem to be on the precipice of a moment in time where everything that we considered part of life as we knew it and the the old normal, let's call it, uh, working um, at an office, 
actually physically going to a shop to buy uh, groceries or actually physically going to a fast food outlet to buy your favorite items of fast food versus the options you have now to either Uber Eats or Mr. D, for example. And how that uh, old normal will appear to run in parallel with the new normal that comes with this digitization that we'll all be migrating to the option to order or shop from home instead of physically going to the shops and how overwhelming that will uh, or could possibly become the more preferable choice versus actually physically going out or physically going to the stores. And like I said, we seem to be at the precipice of a period where these normals will seem to run parallel, even if it's briefly before one makes way for the other. What shape do you believe this leaves the telecoms industry in? And furthermore, how do you see, without without being overly optimistic or overly um, trying to predict, but this idea of the new normal, what, what, what shape do you think that will appear in as we move towards it? I think yes. I think I think you're right. I think it is um, on the verge of being that new normal um, for for certain aspects of of South Africans. Obviously, not all, but from 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 the the people who are able to afford what what uh, that that connectivity and the ability to have these services like Uber and all of those sort of items coming to your house. I, I think the telecom industry will benefit significantly from that, and I think as as the as the uh, market changes and devices change and devices become more powerful, more intelligent, more um, you know the ability for them to do more, um, it it benefits the the industry as a whole. Where you know people are now going to be having everything in their device, in the, everything in their home, linked to some sort of connectivity at some point in time, which obviously impacts the telecoms industry. And that would then go, you know, as it's going to boost these sort of new products into the market where you're going to be seeing people getting more and more smart devices in their home to do functions that, you know, they would not normally do as if they were working from an office. And this will be supported, obviously, as a whole by the telecoms industry. And 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 I think the, the, the markets out there are also going to do the same. So as you say, the new normal of having things delivered to your house, it's going to be the people who step up and say that we can now do this properly and we are the guys who can get that that food for you in 20 minutes or or do ensure same day deliveries you know they're going to bring in you know, refrigerators that are going to tell you that you you know automatically order from checkers you know two liter milk that will arrive you know in four hours time and things like that and that all carries on the backbone of telecoms so so um i, I think it's going to diversify diversify the way certain aspects of telecoms are done but I think uh, overall, the, the industry will probably in the long term, and it is a very flexible industry. It's a very powerful industry. We know it's capable of doing extraordinary things. It's just, it's just how expensive it does. It obviously needs to get cheaper and cheaper. But I do think that uh, the telecoms industry will definitely uh, in the long term grow from, from this and, and, and benefit people uh, to, to a new norm, as you've put out. And finally, for me, and this is a great segue to this question, in terms of uh, the long term and uh, 
a the long-term recovery in some instances they that needs to be made will probably be made in what ways do you see digitalization becoming a catalyst for the digitalization of our work and our education and our spending and uh, could you also take us through the ways in which they uh the the, the this will take up the role of a catalyst this idea of digitalization will take the role of a catalyst so, so I think um, I think with, with with cloud services now, especially, and when I say cloud services, it means essentially allowing anything from a small business, even um, who, who doesn't even, or even a startup business, allowing it to now very economically uh, start up an entity and offer services to people so simply, um, whether they be at work or at home now. Um, it, it enhances this, this, this ability of, of businesses to offer services to people a lot in, in a far simpler way. So, so the cloud um, has now received this massive boost in its credibility. It's received a massive boost in what it can do to, to, to bring people online, whether it be, like you said, from a work and an education point of view. It will never fully replace, I think, you know, especially that one-on-one education care of a teacher in front of you and I don't think it can always replace that atmosphere that you get in an office but if if you have a company that has staff coming in once or twice a week and, and students that you know can sit at home educating uh, portions of their and get the education and have all of this high-speed connectivity and these services are, that any anybody can now take an education platform spin it up within minutes and, and design it and implement it this is going to be on their phone, it's going to be on their laptop, it's going to be on their mobile uh, tablets, whatever it might be. And I think I think with the credibility that's come over this time frame and with how powerful people have seen what's been done in the market to cater for or, or how companies quickly adapted to what's been catered out there for the situation that we're currently in, I think it's definitely going to show people how, how they can start to trust more of what they see online and and uh, and allow businesses, especially small businesses, to come up with good ideas uh, to allow this digitization to occur. And that will happen across a spectrum of sectors. That can happen across any sector, anything that you can think of, because you know they, they've built this platform for for anybody to be able to offer services across any sector. So I do see great growth in digitization for many years to come. We've just been in conversation with the director of B2E Technologies, Mr. Michael Luizidis, here on the COVID report, taking us through the ways in which the telecoms industry actually emerged through the rubble of the COVID-19 storm to thrive as much as they have over the course of this period of lockdown all across the world. Now that brought me or brought my attention, so I should say, to what I've always observed as a period of transition that we are fast approaching if we haven't done so already, where the two normals that we seem to be stuck between the old normal and the new normal running parallel. So we went out and asked a few fellow South Africans to share their thoughts with us about the ways in which this pandemic has changed the way they used to lead their lives, how they found all of the migration to doing things online. This 
is what they had to say. The COVID-19 pandemic has solidified the importance of technology in our lives. So it allows people to reach further than physically possible in most cases and in the fastest time. Now, we knew that before COVID, but no one could have expected a pandemic to just bring life to a standstill. And ironically, it happened at the best time where technology was sort of the hero in this instance, where humans are now having to not be within each other and not interact as much. But technology was how we could still maintain a sense of normalcy. Um, and so when when you think about people who do not have access to technology, it, it it becomes a crisis because they have been left out of this conversation. They, it, it's a reality for them that COVID-19 has affected them the most because they were not able to, to move as they could. They were physically limited because they could not go out anyway, but then they still couldn't reach out to the necessary outlets because the technology was not there. What COVID-19 has taught me is that technology is quite important because you, life suddenly changed. Um, I don't want to say one day, but life suddenly changed. Um, you could not move around because you needed to protect yourself and everybody around you. But life still needed to, 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 to continue. Like Life came to a standstill. But at the same time, it still needed to continue moving. So you had to find ways that allowed for that, that allowed for the sudden stop, but still the continued movement. Um, so that is why technology is important, because you now find yourself in a position, you still need to get to work, um, you still need to get work done, you need, still need to meet deadlines. Um, you still, if you wanted to show a reader, you still want books. Um, you still need to go grocery shopping, you still need to get medication, you still need to, to like, you still needed to do a lot of stuff, but at the same time, you needed to be wherever you are and not move around so that you can uh, minimize your chances of contracting the virus. So that's where technology comes in and it has showed us how it is important how it is important like for me to be where i am to be at home to not leave but to still get things done um to still meet deadlines to still buy groceries to still get books to still get medication to still exercise even because gyms were now suddenly closed but you still want to maintain a healthy and fit lifestyle so that is where technology comes in now you needed to move life online i think Going forward, that is still something that we still need to adopt, even after the virus, because it was much more convenient, but it was also much more safer for us as human beings, because um, at the end of the day, the hard lockdowns and stuff, it was not to make life uncomfortable for us, but it was also it was there for our protection. So, but it has taught us now that, you know, we, 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 we need to be able to get things done wherever we are. You don't longer need to rush wherever. 
in order to get things done and that also saves the environment you don't have to drive to work and then drive to the grocery store and then drive to and then drive to or take a taxi and take a bus and take this and that but you can still get that done everything you can still get it done but it can be at home but it is where it is much more convenient so i i think that is one thing we need to take going forward the convenience of technology and we need to adopt more into it Moreover, the times technology is not there to disadvantage us or to in any way make life harder or riskier, but to make life simple. And like that's the whole point of growing and learning. And and you know, you just want to make life simple, much more easier. Prior to COVID nineteen, prior to lockdown, I genuinely had no idea what exactly Zoom was and um lockdown happened i had to adjust to a new way of conducting meetings to a new way of conducting interviews and also a new way of communicating with people and one way to do that was to use zoom and uh post covid 19 and post lockdown will i still um, prefer using zoom or any other ways of communicating that require me to be tech savvy not at all i feel like human connection is something that we can never replace we can come up with different for ir products but we can never replace human connection so i still prefer having face-to-face meetings i still prefer having face-to-face interviews and because of that's where you're able to see and observe the human emotions that's where you're able to have connections and that's where you're able to judge and tell how a person feels based on your answer uh looking at their face and looking at they are their, their reaction or their facial expression to be precise so yeah, I just want to thank this period for teaching me at least to be tech savvy. Zoom nyanakada and yeah. For me, COVID-19, it has taught me that, you know, um, the issue of um, connectivity, you know, of low data costs is now an issue of social justice that you know it's not something that you know we should be just holding conferences about and you know deciding oh you know this is what we want to do it has to be done every township needs to have fiber every township you know they need um, every home basically you know needs to have a computer because the amount of schooling that has been lost by some learners many actually the majority of our learners in this country it's because of lack you know of these things and if we had this i mean you know it was going to be easy everybody was just going to adapt and of course you still have those psychological issues that you need to but also i mean human beings adapt and we are going to overcome those things you know in time so it has just shown me that you know it is important governments need to make sure that every household is connected you know it wi-fi is in every township I believe that when the pandemic um, like started in March, um, we didn't anticipate that we you know, would um, be working from our homes, but until with the government coming with the regulations and all of that, so what I've learned is that um, some some duties are meant to be done at home 
visually um, you know just do your work um, on your laptop and send it and for the tech guys to upload so what the pandemic has taught me as a newsreader and also um, someone who is a social media admin is for the fact that we really need um, the stronger connectivity to make sure that we update each and every hour because of um, the profession of journalism that requires for us to be online and also um, share information in particular ways. So I've learned a lot in terms of um, like working from home because it's much better, it's much easier despite its challenges, you know, um, but then those are the pegs of working at home. But then the most important part is the internet connectivity you know and also in terms of ict um having the proper equipment to make sure that like your laptop doesn't freeze your phone doesn't freeze also you know they're always up to date and also with the internet connectivity and those were some of the thoughts and sentiments of a few fellow South Africans talking to us about the ways in which the thriving telecoms industry has in many ways encouraged them to fully embrace the digitalized migration, to fully embrace the virtual world and forego all of the physicalities that came with the old normal. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88. or stream via www.varfm.co.za.